0: With Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: The 76ers are trying to escape a losing mentality for years. Please, please save it for somebody else. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on Series 6M Channel 80, the ESPN app as well. Christopher Arthur Canty, good morning. How are you?
2: Carlin, I would say it's a good morning, but I got a problem. You could say I'm actually Christoph. Really? And I know that term is reserved for you when you get hot about something. Yeah, it's both of us. But you know what I'm upset about? I'm upset about people wearing button-down shirts and having the top three or four buttons undone. People, people. Now, here's the no thing. No one specific? Is, well, I think Richard Jefferson is the one that's leading the trend. But well, I was something watch- obviously I triggered you this morning. Well, what triggered me this morning, I'm watching Get Up as I always do, and if you don't start your day, I wonder what's wrong with you watching Get Up. But I'm watching Alan Hahn, and he's got a beautiful suit on, nice color combination, got the pocket square matching the color of the shirt, but he's got three buttons undone on the shirt. Can I ask you this favor? Can we normalize? having one maybe two buttons undone on a shirt that's it I, I don't want any i don't want any more than that this is not you're not this Listen. is not miami
1: vice Listen. you're not ricardo Tubbs. you got it you flaunt it that's that's what i know and if you're, you're
2: not don johnson can we normal <laughs> can we normalize not having all the damn buttons on your button down shirt undone uh, Dan Orlovsky had the same
1: thing going on get up yesterday. he didn't have one button button. He didn't have one button button. I don't understand what the hell is going on. Listen, they're giving you, you a You might show. as well not even wear a shirt under your blazer or sport coat. Hey, they're giving out a free show. What do you want me to I, tell I don't want to see your taco meat. But <laughs> It's, Han getting, it's stat- getting on my nerve. Like, seriously, man, but, we gotta stop this. But Han even said he was manscaping. It's summertime. Listen, keep keep
2: that for your wife at home, Honey Boo Boo. We don't want to see that on national TV. I don't feel like that's too much to ask. Hey,
1: if the people demand it, you got to get it. Listen,
2: bacon, eggs, and toast. I don't want bacon, eggs, and Hans chest hair. (laughs) Here we go.
3: Only one place to start.
0: Overall, I thought we were starting to get it
3: done. You could see the change in the culture. This entire process started by losing. As far away as they've tried to get from Trust the Process, there's still the losing stench in that organization.
1: We'll get back to Han and the chest hair and the lack thereof.
2: I don't want to get back to it. <laughs> Just normalize only having one button undone on a button-down shirt. That's okay, it. fair no, enough. It's not, a, it's not a heavy lift. It's not a big ass.
1: What did get normalized for a long time in Philadelphia was losing, but it was done on purpose because of what the Sixers were trying to do with the process. And it's interesting, Chris, because everything that seems to be going on around the Sixers the last few years has stemmed around not getting far enough, not getting the ultimate job done after all of that. Was it all worth it? Joe Fortenboff, Joe and Amber, yesterday on Fitz and Harry, made a point about the Sixers that I, I think is definitely worth listening to and, frankly, is flawed in a lot of ways. The
3: franchise has never gotten away from their losing culture. This entire process started by losing. Hey, everyone, Hmm. stick with us here. We're going to do a ton of losing, but don't worry. Once we're done losing, we're going to start winning. I don't think that's how you can build a culture. As far away as they've tried to get from Trust the Process, all that early losing and tanking, they're still the losing stench in that organization. And they, as a culture and as a franchise, cannot get past it. And you see that every year in the conference semis when they can't raise their game. They don't have the toughness. They were not outplayed in game six by the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. They completely fell apart in the last six minutes of that game, cost them from advancing.
1: See, here's why this is complete garbage to me chris you Mm. know if you look back the 76ers in 2012 2013 were an awful basketball team they were an awful organization they couldn't get people to come play there so the whole idea behind the process was we lose for a couple of years so we get the draft picks so we take some hostages instead of looking for volunteers to come here in theory it worked They got Joel Embiid here. They executed the plan wrong several times with guys they drafted, whether it's Nerland's Noel or Jaleel Okafor, or whether it's choices they made along the way, like sticking with Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. But the idea that this losing in the postseason has anything to do with what happened six and seven years ago, and it's just a black cloud that has hung over this organization since, Chris, that's complete and utter garbage. That's the loser's lament.
2: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, if the Philadelphia 76ers made the right decisions with the draft capital that Hinky was able to put together by doing all of that losing, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Where Philly got itself in trouble is that they prioritized talent acquisition over winning. They did. I mean, think about this it was about talent when they decided to let go of Jimmy Butler and not keep Ben Simmons. That was a mistake. Jimmy Butler, if he was with Joel Embiid right now, you're talking about the Sixers having a different outlook on what they could be in 2023. You're talking about the ceiling on this team being a little bit different than we've come to see in the last couple of years. And I get it. Philadelphia has had a lot of regular season success over the past three years. They've averaged 51 wins a season. But when it comes to winning when it matters most in the postseason, you got to have dudes that have that killer mindset. And Joel has it. But you don't really have a whole lot of other guys on that team that have that mindset. Can Tyrese Maxey develop it? We'll wait and see. So from that perspective, I can understand where Joe would get the idea that the mentality of the culture, the philosophy of the organization and losing all those years has seemed to seep into the locker room. But to that, I would say if the Sixers drafted Jason Tatum over Markel Fultz in 2017 – This would not even be a conversation because you would talk about this team already having made it to an NBA final. So, again, it comes down to making the right decisions along the way with the draft capital that you're able to acquire from all of that losing. Different sport, but you saw it with the Houston Astros. All those years of tanking in the early 2010s was able to get them Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, and they won two championships in a span of four years. Tanking actually works which is why Adam Silver in the NBA started the play-in tournament. They wanted to keep people from tanking. In baseball, they added another wild card to the playoff field because they wanted to keep people from tanking. It works. That's why they have to take away the incentive for teams to do so and they tried to incentivize winning. But here's the thing. The notion that the process is a failure is absolutely ridiculous because they had the draft capital. They were able to get the resources. They just didn't
1: take advantage of it. Well, here's what bothers me the most. It's not just Joe. Listen, Joe has an opinion on it, and I get it. It's more troubling when it comes from Doc Rivers as it did on the Bill Simmons podcast a couple of weeks ago. You
0: can feel it all through the organization. You know, Elton, uh, when he brought me in, that's what he told me. This is not just about coaching this team. We're bringing you in here to change the culture. He meant everywhere. And he allowed me to come in and we looked through the whole organization. I'm talking about trainers, equipment managers, everybody. If you're not on board, if you're not trying to win, if that's not what you're breathing every day, For me, it's time to go. And I make that with everybody in the organization. And overall, I thought we were starting to get it done. You could see the change in the culture. It still has to get better. And if that happens, then they have a chance. If it doesn't happen, they're not going to win. It has to keep
1: growing. I got to tell you, what a complete and utter garbage excuse from Doc Rivers and really some massively revisionist history on what happened in Philadelphia. Okay. I was there, Chris, in 2016, 2017, when it started to shift, when Joel Embiid was healthy enough to play, and the Sixers got a little taste of winning some games. They had just drafted Ben Simmons. They were optimistic. Embiid's out there. They win games. At One game in particular, they beat the Knicks down the stretch of a game and beads out there celebrating with the cheerleaders with the pom-poms. <laughs> they were, that whole city was embracing in the culture, like culture, culture, culture. We talk about it with the Heat, that was not a losing culture. The Sixers the next year... Won 52 games. Is that a losing culture? No. No. The Sixers have consistently been in the playoffs. That's not losing culture. Was Brett Brown a losing culture head coach? No. That guy had to weather all of those losses when they were atrocious. And really, you can look at it and understand, because Joel clearly does, bad decisions got the Sixers to this place. Nothing else. Bad decisions and picking the wrong players to go to war with. I completely agree. And here's the thing, the
2: last thing to put a button on tanking. It behooves organizations to lose when there's a generational talent to be had in the upcoming draft. It it, it was good for the San Antonio Spurs to be bad so they could land Victor and yama Is anybody going to criticize the Spurs for what they did the last few years? Nobody's going to do that. They're not saying that the Spurs have a losing culture. But they've been doing a hell of a lot of losing the same way they did a lot of losing. Check this out. In 88-89, the Spurs won 21 games. They were 21-61. and 61. You know why it was smart for them to be bad that year? Because David Robinson was coming out of the draft the next year. 96-97, <laughs> the Spurs won 20 games. You know why it was good for them to be bad that year? Because Tim Duncan was coming
1: out of the draft the following year. And David Robinson got hurt. It was amazing timing. But that's
2: my point, yeah. though. There, there are certain circumstances where it makes sense for the organization to be bad so you can get a generational talent. The Sixers did that for the better part of the 2010s, and they got an MVP in Joel Embiid, a guy that's led the league in scoring in back-to-back years. I don't understand why we want to be critical of the process when it got you an
1: MVP player. And that leads us to right now the window's starting to close because Joel Embiid is not going to put up with it a whole long, whole lot longer. And Chris, that guy fits that city so exceptionally well, and it takes a special level of athlete to fit that city. And they are about to, unless they fix it in the next few weeks, whether it's going in another direction or if you're going to bring James Harden back and your big off-season acquisition was Nick Nurse, you are asking for trouble. And you were asking for the franchise player to ask out next year. And if that's the case, you've done it to yourselves. You've done it to yourselves, and they can't do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. James Harden getting another contract with the Sixers is almost going to guarantee that Joel Embiid won't be a Sixer in two seasons. And it might be quick. Like, it, you could be talking about Embiid wanting out next summer if they re-up with James Harden. Yep. Like, James Harden is too hit or miss. If you're relying on James Harden to be your second best player on the floor, you're not winning a championship. (laughs) You've got a second-round ceiling on you. Daryl Morey has got to get over this love affair that he has with Harden and move on to doing something better, doing something different. Does that look like Fred Van Vliet? I would think that that would be a good option to explore, seeing what you can get for the Tobias Harris contract because it's an expiring deal, trying to fill in depth around this roster because that was their biggest issue going up against the Celtics. They didn't have depth. They ran out of gas. At some point, you have to have other players that have championship pedigree that know how to win in that time of year in order to take pressure off of JoJo. They didn't have that. I don't know that you can wait on Tyrese Maxey to become your second best player because at that point you might be talking about Embiid's prime being over with. So I think you have to look at some serious options other than Harden this summer if they're serious about being able to break
1: through this second round ceiling. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help you troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free so you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Man, we are just getting started. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance offers 24-7 protection when you bundle home, auto, and motorcycle. Learn more at Progressive.com. Up next, a guy who knows a thing or two about Philly. He's your
4: pal. He's our pal. He's Sal, pal. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. eligible items only exclusions apply for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com,
5: or just stop by this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors i do you do we all do
0: Dreamy, the podcast. Camp to camp. Every rep. Team to team. It's on this field where fortunes are made or lost. Continuing coverage. The countdown to kickoff rolls on. 72 days until the NFL season begins. Yeah,
4: I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it.
0: The NFL lives here. ESPN Radio.
1: It is never better than seeing this guy in person, and he joins us in 30 seconds. It's Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family is well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops, and more with electronic device insurance. And cover your furry friends with pet health insurance as well. Canty and Carlin, in for Greeny. Sal, pal. Sal Pal. Say it with me. Sal Pal. Sal Pal. Sal Pal, Sal Pal. Sal Pal Antonio, <laughs> ESPN NFL reporter, is here. What's going on, brother? How are oh, it's you? it's so
6: great to be in the studio with you guys. It's fantastic.
1: It's awesome to have you up here. Great to see you. So, I, I, I certainly thought... How I'm, I spent my summer vacation. <laughs> right? He's giving
2: me recommendations for wineries that I need to visit that when is, my wife and I go to Napa.
1: That is not surprising yeah, I got to check that out. That is out. not surprising Listen, at Sal
2: all. has never steered me wrong. When it comes to football, takes or otherwise, yeah.
1: so... You got wineries in Napa. I got breweries in South Jersey. What do you got, Sal? <laughs> <laughs> P.J. Whalahan's can't go wrong. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> and, and no matter what you ask him, he's got a guy. Absolutely. <laughs> he's got a guy. Yeah. Listen, anybody from Jersey... They got a guy, <laughs> especially South Jersey. All right, Sal, uh, let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles and the comment from Demarcus Lawrence a few weeks back, when, or a few days back, when he said that the gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles is not that wide. So how do you see it after this offseason? So well, I
6: like him to check his math, because I think it's the great divide right now. <laughs> I mean, I think the Eagles have the best quarterback in the division and the best roster in the division, uh, they certainly have a quarterback who knows how to take care of the football, and that's the key. The, the great equalizer in the NFL is turnovers by the quarterback. Mm. And uh, the Cowboys were in the top six, and the Eagles were in the bottom three with Kansas City, uh, and that's why they went to the Super Bowl. And until, less than until Dak Prescott takes care of the football and takes care of himself, the Cowboys aren't really going anywhere, in my view.
2: Sal, the Cowboys might not be going anywhere, but a team that absolutely has championship aspirations is the Buffalo Bills. Now, we saw that there was some friction between Steph Diggs, the organization, and maybe Josh Allen as a part of that equation. What happens with the Steph Diggs relationship between Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills as we get closer to the training camp? Now
6: you're a student of the game. You're a student of football in New York. You remember the title of Keyshawn Johnson's book, Just throw me the damn ball. (laughs) And that basically is all it comes down to with wide receivers who are getting paid, is am I getting the football? And the truth is, in the end, they didn't get him the ball enough. And that's probably why they lost to the Bengals. Uh, They need more balance on offense for sure. Josh Allen needs to make sure he takes care of the football for sure. But you got to get the ball into your playmaker's hands. And to me, that's what it comes down to. You had a new offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey takes over for Brian Dayball. There were some growing pains there, for sure. But I think Diggs has sent an unmistakable message to that organization that you're not going anywhere without me. And mm-hmm. he's right. They're not. you got to have a star-wide receiver who's going to make big plays. The league is about two things, Chris, and you know this. And I just mentioned one. Turnovers by the quarterback, explosive plays. In the offensive, on the offensive side. So you know, Nick Sirianni, whenever I see him before the game, he says we're going to win the double positives. We're not going to turn the ball over, and we're going to win in explosive plays, and that's how they got to the Super Bowl last year. And that's how Buffalo will get to the Super Bowl. AFC is super competitive right now, and with Aaron Rodgers in the division, the division has become super competitive. So you've got to put points on the board, and to me... The formula for that is simple.
1: Get in in your playmaker's hands. Sal Palatonio, ESPN NFL reporter with us. It's Canty and Carlin. In for Grady on ESPN Radio. When you look at the two players who have the names that are out there right now, DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook, which of those two should teams be more eager to acquire well, at this point? Well, I don't know if I have to. If I have to choose, I would say DeAndre
6: Hopkins because the game is about ultimately matchups. You guys know I'm the host of the matchup show, and Mm -hmm. I study the game from that aspect. Is your offensive or defensive coordinator have the playmakers, the formation or the design that creates favorable matchups for you to win or the offensive or the defensive side of the ball? And when you have an outlier like DeAndre Hopkins, you can create favorable matchups because he will dictate double teams, you know. After a while, a defensive coordinators be like, you know, we ought to be covering this guy with two guys because he can catch the ball and he can take it all the way to the the end zone at any time that he wants. And that's what Hopkins does for you. He moves the chains. He's great on third down. He's great in the red zone. He's going to make Mac Jones better, certainly. He's going to give that offense a threat that they haven't had in a long time. They haven't had – they really didn't have it when they had Brady. They didn't have an outlier at the – on the offensive side of the ball, other than number 12, right, Chris? Uh So you give Mac Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, you put Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator, in a position to coach Hopkins again and knows what he can do, create favorable matchups, create double teams. You just added a corner in Miami. Sauce Gardner is in New York. Robert Sala and Vic Fangio, those two guys know how to coach defense. Leslie Frazier's not coaching defense anymore in Buffalo. Now Sean McDermott is fully taking over the defense. Sean McDermott comes from Jim Johnson, the old defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. And I sat in many meetings with Jim Johnson where he would say, Sal Pal, it's about protecting the house and breaking down the protection. We got to do those two things on defense. And if you have a wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, it makes it tougher to protect the house. And so it makes it tougher for McDermott. makes it tougher for Jalen Ramsey in Miami, mm. for Sauce Gardner. you got to create favorable matchups. And DeAndre Hopkins can do that for New England, in my view.
2: Sal, let's dive a little bit deeper into the D-Hop conversation because I heard you this morning on KJM, and you think that it's an inevitability that he lands with the Patriots. I know everybody's focused on, you know, Mac Jones and him being able to have a bounce-back year and how much he needs D-Hop. And I know this question is going to sound strange the way that I ask it. Go ahead. But with Mac Jones and Bill Belichick, which one of those figures needs DeAndre Hopkins more to remain in their current <laughs> role beyond this upcoming season? Well,
6: Bill Belichick is going to stay. Okay? I realize he's got 19 wins to surpass Don Shula. Bob Kraft, I've talked to Bob Kraft about okay. this. They want to make sure that that happens in New England. Is Patience Running Thin? Absolutely. If you go up to Foxborough, you've been there many times. You've been there many times. You know, Foxborough, Patriot Place, that all revolves around the Patriots winning football games. No doubt. you got a big operation there. you got to sell a lot of hotel rooms and a lot of jerseys and t-shirts. <laughs> you got to fill those bars. You know, that whole place runs around CBS Sports, the whole scene there. It's all about the Patriots winning games. But... I don't think that Bill Belichick is going to leave before he sets the Shula record. Now, if they, right, you're looking at me strange, because if they go to six wins this year or seven wins, and now it's 2025 and 26 and he
1: hasn't set the record, how long do you keep them, right? I mean, Sal, you look at the schedule, they could start 0 4 this year. Yes. They easily could. And if this turns into a disastrous season, I'm not saying Bill Belichick's getting fired. But he Transit, way, Transition into no. the front office. <laughs> but the way
6: Chris has answered the, asked me the question was, "Who's more on the clock? Yeah, is it Mac Jones or Bill Belichick?" And the answer, obviously, is Mac Jones. Okay,
1: Sal Palantonio. That was ESPN. a long-winded answer, yeah. but the answer is <laughs>
6: obviously Mac
1: Jones, the great Sal Palantonio, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us. I do want to ask you one thing about the Eagles that we didn't get to earlier that I think people probably don't pay enough attention to. The new coordinators. How is this going to impact what they have been doing the last few years when you lose two coordinators? All right, let's talk about
6: Brian Johnson first. He is the new offensive coordinator taking over for Shane Steichen. With Shane Steichen calling the plays and Jalen Hurts a quarterback, the Eagles are 14-3. and three. Mm. Okay, that's pretty good. Yep. But Johnson was a big, big part of that. To me, he's a head coach in waiting. So he's a guy who's super smart. He's in Sipatiko with Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts has total ownership of the offense. Jalen has, I think, more check with me than anybody in the NFC at quarterback. Uh, Brock Purdy, no. Cousins, no. Aaron Rodgers is playing with the Jets. Daniel Jones, definitely not. Dak Prescott, he's got a new sheriff in town, Mike McCarthy. So when you look at that offense, Jalen Hurts – When he gets to the line of scrimmage, total ownership of the offense. He can basically get in and out of any bad play, get into a good play, and figure out what he wants to do, and Johnson and him are on the same page. And I talked to Johnson extensively at the Super Bowl uh, in February in, in the desert in Arizona, and these two guys really are connected at the hip. So I'm not worried about the offense. They have great playmakers offensively. Defensively, they lost a lot of starters. But when you look at Sean Desai, really smart coach. Yep, Really smart defensive coach. You know him. Mm-hmm. Comes out of the Vic Fangio uh, uh, tree, coaching tree. No, Will coach basically the way Jonathan Gannon coached last year. You look at their defense, it's mostly vanilla, mm-hmm. right? They don't do a lot of stuff. Sean Desai is going to add a little cinnamon in there. He's going to add a little spice to it. He's going to maybe blitz a little bit more, take some more risks. May that be a bad thing in certain circumstances? Maybe because you lost some starters on defense. But that be, could be a good thing where you're taking more risks and you're getting after the quarterback or you're playing in in a situation where you're not giving up big plays over the middle.
2: Yeah, and it's, you're talking about the defense not being stagnant. The players not getting bored with the scheme. Like I think that that's a, there's something to be said about the voice changing that
6: makes guys
2: lock in oh, a little bit better. All you gotta do is look at the Super Bowl, new. Chris. Yeah.
6: Come on. You you know. I mean, if if you line up Reddick at the right defensive tackle position instead of the left defensive end, maybe he gets to Patrick Mahomes. That's it.
2: That's it. Just a little little changeup. Remember little
6: tweak. when Jim Schwartz moved Brandon Graham to the inside, right? And 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 caused a panic on the offensive line of the Patriots. They had to make a decision. Do we double-team Fletcher Cox or do we double-team Brandon Graham? They chose to double-team Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham got his big paw in there and strip sack, and that was the biggest play in Eagles history. Was no, that sack? No doubt. Not Philly it. Special. And I wrote a book called Philly Special. Yeah. Brandon Graham's sack yeah. of Tom Brady
2: was the biggest play in Eagles' history. Well, what do you know about that? Pass rush being able to win a championship. <laughs> what a novel concept. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sal, staying stay with the Eagles, I wanted to ask you this question because we saw this huge jump from Jalen Hurts in his first full time season as a starter to his second full season as a starter. We saw a big jump in MVP caliber quarterback, uh, MVP caliber player. What quarterback do you see out there this year that could make that kind of leap?
6: That was a big leap, right? Huge. I don't think we really have seen a transformation bigger, in my view. I've covered the league for 30 years and been the host of the matchup show for 20, so I get to study a lot of quarterback film. Started out with Ron Jaworski, the the best that ever was. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a transformation in one year like that where a guy can't win from the pocket, goes to Tampa, gets embarrassed in a wild-card game, Mm. looks into the camera, Chris, looks at the reporters and says, my year three starts tomorrow. Then goes out and gets ankle surgery the next day. Then goes to California on his own, on his own, and makes himself a better pocket passer, figures out his hip rotation, figures out his footwork, figures out his delivery, figures out his arm angle, figures out his touch, and makes himself into a pocket passer. Do you know his completion rate on balls of 20 yards or longer was the highest in the NFL last year from a guy who couldn't hit the side of a barn, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat? (laughs) Right? He made himself into a dual-threat quarterback, a guy who can win from the pocket beat but be a dual-threat. And we all know... He wins that Super Bowl. He's the MVP. Yes. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
6: Right? No No. question. Statistically, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes up to a point. Strip sack was another story. I mean, obviously, he had that bad strip sack. But, you know, you take that away, and he outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl. No question about it. All
1: right, Sal. Okay, here we go. We got to go to the line. It's a lightning round, Sal. I don't control when it happens. They just tell me, and we hit the button, and we go. Here's is, this the sp- deal. is this sponsored? It's not sponsored. It's just. <laughs> I don't get like a T-shirt or anything. <laughs> you really don't. We're, work- <laughs> We're working on that. <laughs> We're, uh, we are open for sponsorship on the lightning round, and of course, it is simply three <laughs> questions, and they are three philosophical questions oh. that we want the answer to okay. for you. Question one, Sal: How many buttons is appropriate, or even? Acceptable to leave unbuttoned on a colored shirt.
6: Oh, you're talking about Alan Hahn right now, who was on Get We don't need
1: to cite any individuals here. (laughs) This is just a philosophical Philosophical. question.
6: Okay, no specifics. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm all about buttoning up, right? Right. Yeah, so I like, as you can see, even my little zip up is zipped up. Mm. And I think when you have a golf shirt on, you button it all the way to the top. You know, country club style. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, you know, I come from country clubs, C plus, state school. You know, I'm really a country club guy. Here we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so all the way to the top. So the answer, your answer would be none. None. I don't go any. Yeah. <laughs> Sal, I don't have a neck. I have to be able to at least unbutton <laughs> one button. Question two, Sal. When you ask somebody how they're doing, you really care. Oh, yes. I try to be
6: really sincere and engaged with the other person.
1: Yes. The key word there was, I try Try to be. be. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, (coughs) Correct answer is no, you don't give a damn. Neither (laughs) does anybody else. (laughs) Sal, question three. How you doing? This is like the... Are you doing all right? This is like the James Lipton, what will God say to you question that we have each and every time. Sal, who wins in a fight between a bear and a shark? Oh, man. I think it's the shark.
6: Goes right for the juggler, takes the bear down.
1: Sal's right on top of it. There it is. That's right. There it is. Well done, Sal. Well done. You the lightning round. It's always awesome to see you, brother. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me in the studio. That is a great Let's do it again. (laughs) 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 ESPN NFL reporter. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And we are in for Grainy today. One veteran quarterback who could be the answer for two separate rival teams next year.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Could the biggest name as a quarterback in the NFC West a year from now be Kirk Cousins? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm
0: sorry, what? I'm sorry, what?
1: what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what?
0: I'm sorry, what? what? what?
1: what? Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com, uh, who does a fantastic job, is on with Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen Show this week, and spoke about the 49ers and Rams and what the future might hold for them at the quarterback position.
4: Brock Purdy, if he's healthy, and if he's
1: not healthy, I think it'll be Sam Darnold.
4: The guy that they gave up three first-round picks and a third-round
1: pick to get is going to be the odd man out, but they're not going to trade him because QB3 could end up being QB1. They've been cursed at the quarterback position, and Rich, let's play it out to March of next year.
4: I think you're going to see, unless the Vikings re-sign him by then, and they can't use the franchise tag on him the way his contract is structured, you're going to see a potential tug-of-war between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay for Kirk Cousins. Mark that down.
1: Wow. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, you get where it makes some sense. I don't, I don't know how much longer Matthew Stafford truly has to play. Mm-hmm. I, frankly, there is a part of me that's a little surprised he's still playing. Yeah. After all of the injuries that he's had. Well,
2: the most important one is the neck injury, right? Yeah. Because we heard the rumors early on in training camp that it was affecting his arm strength. Now, I think a lot of people have put that to bed, and the Rams have certainly seen enough to give them comfort about moving forward with him, but you're still talking about a quarterback that's one hit away. Like, Matthew Stafford might be in his mid-30s, but he's in his 40s as far as the wear and tear on his body and the beating that he took in Detroit, so... You don't have a ton of runway with that quarterback. They're going to need to do something different at the position. Now, is that something different using a high draft pick in 2024's draft in order to get a quarterback? It's supposed to be a deep quarterback draft next year. Or do you explore free agency and taking a run at a guy like Kirk Cousins, somebody that Sean McVay has a lot of experience with because they were both
1: in Washington together at the same time? So here's my thing. I don't think the Rams are going to be very good this year. I, think don't, that, I don't either. I think that draft pick has an excellent potential to be a top five pick. Okay. So if that's the case, and you have an exceptionally deep quarterback And this draft, will be
2: their first first round draft pick since Jared Goff? Yes. Yeah, since, 20, since 2016. They have yeah. traded
1: every other one away. Wow. Think about this for a second. If they're not going to be very good this year, you still have Aaron Donald under contract. Are you going to be very good... If you go and sign Kirk Cousins next year, you've got Cooper Cup, you've you've got some players, but Chris, they don't look to me to be a team that would be terribly close. So you'd have to believe if you're going to do that, if you're Sean McVay, if I just hand Kirk Cousins a check, I'm going to have a chance to truly compete for another championship. I think that's asking a lot. At that point, I'm thinking a lot more about drafting the quarterback.
2: Yeah, I hear where you're coming from, but I don't think that team would be that far off. If they're able to sign Kirk Cousins, then they could be in a position where they'd have the best quarterback in that division. If you think about the quarterbacks in the NFC West, then you couple that with the fact that if they're bad this year, they'd have a high draft pick in a quarterback rich draft. They could trade down and acquire a treasure trove of draft picks. And this is a strategy that this franchise employed once upon a time during the RG3 trade that laid the groundwork and established the core for the team that went to the Super Bowl in
1: 2018. But again, that that, that established the core. But it was a few years later that they finally do it, so let me throw a counter at you. Mm. If I'm the Rams, and not to take it away from this altogether, maybe that's a case where I start to have a discussion with Aaron Donald and can I go get picks for Aaron Donald?
2: Well, I don't know that Aaron Donald wants to go play for another
1: team. That's so why I'm mean, say I have a discussion with him first. And, yeah, well, you can have a discussion, but I don't think it's going go. to think it's don't gonna go
2: anywhere. To. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he talked about retiring after they won a Super Bowl. And they threw a lot, threw a bag at him to get him to come back and play some. But I don't know that he's going to be sticking around for a lot more losing seasons or be willing to be auctioned off to another team. So I, I would say this. I, I think that the Rams are in position to rebuild it quicker than you typically would, especially with that division being in flux at the quarterback spot. Kirk Cousins, the one thing that we can say about this guy, he's he's always been productive. Seven of his last eight seasons, the guy has thrown for north of 4,000 yards and 25-plus touchdowns. I mean, that's incredible consistency. Now, he's had a lot of good receivers to throw to, but if you put him in L.A., he's going to have another good receiver in Cooper Cup. So I, I look at this situation and say, if McVay is comfortable with Kirk Cousins, then that's a win for the Rams because they don't have to invest the draft capital at the quarterback spot, and they can use that to rebuild this roster quickly.
1: That and a bunch of cap space in 2024. If you're the 49ers, what does that say about Trey Lance? Holy cow. I mean, you're going to go get Kirk Cousins because Trey Lance isn't it, and after everything you invested in him, well, you, you've tried and you've
2: missed on so many different quarterbacks. Yeah. Like you tried and you missed with Jimmy Garoppolo because of injury. You, you've you tried with other guys and it just has not worked out. So why wouldn't you go with a proven commodity in Kirk Cousins? To me, I think the 49ers have to have more urgency than the Rams when it comes to the Kirk Cousins of it all. Oh, I don't disagree with Cause that. They, they've got to take advantage of the window that they've been able to put together now. And that window is with the defense led by Nikki Bosa and that offense one of the best skill position cores in the league.